Daddy Lady, the book club of love. Actual episode. Hi, hi. It's Barbara Ann. This is part three of the five love languages by Gary Chapman. Vera and I are uh, chatting with Jamie Senna, who's been our friend since we were in our teens. Part one and part two cover a couple of the languages, you know. So go back and listen to part one and part two if you want to hear where this conversation started. Oh, let's see what else. Vera and I do not have any shows coming up that we can tell you about. But as always, please visit us on our Instagram at... The Pooh Bell Twins underscore Daddy Ladies. And you can go to datyladies.com to see everything spelled out and to see the other things that we uh, we have a cash app that if you'd like to if you like this podcast and want to show love for this free content, um, you can drop us a couple bucks or you can uh, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we would love to be rated with five stars and um, a written review is also very helpful. So that the way podcasts work, let me just tell you, is that uh, reviews help you get more exposure. So more people can listen to us and um, we can make a difference with our hidden crush the patriarchy agenda. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned also because I think we have at least one more part after this. Okay, bye-bye. Wait, so receiving, oh, I, something I wanted to say about receiving gifts because yeah. you were talking about it, Barbara. Are we there? What page are you on? We're on on, only number three is that how could that be receiving gifts because we're having such a great time talking to jamie though we did talk about receiving gifts a little bit because you had talked about that that was your oh yeah your yeah, love yeah, language yeah. and the only thing i wanted to say about about that is i like that i think he um dr gary chapman for, i don't know why, why, do, why is he like a that. doctor now <laughs> is he a doctor isn't he he's a pastor i thought he was a doctor somewhere he, you know what he might be because he. I know he has some anthropology degree or something. Yeah, so you could be right. You could be right. He said, Gary Chapman. I like that he how he frames the chapter. I I've seen people reticent to say that receiving gifts is their love language because it sounds um, what's the word greedy. Yeah, yeah. There there was a reductress um, headline that was like, "How to express that your love language is receiving gifts without sounding like little Lord Fauntleroy." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like a spoiled prince, right? He does from the anthropological lens like talk about how tokens are like a, a, a key part of like commitment and and yeah. culture and so I liked that I think he he framed it in a way where you shouldn't be ashamed or feel guilty about if your love language is gifts it's like he only used the term greedy bitch once right <laughs> did I or did I make that up no you're absolutely right greedy bitch yeah. um he tells the most uncomfortable story <laughs> how excited were you about the story where he hangs out with the black young man um I'm not remembering this, but already I'm just like, oh, oh boy. This guy gives him an unripe coconut to drink and he gags it down. <laughs> and when the man says juice for you because he speaks black, I don't know. What does he speak? It if means he speaks, love. If he speaks. But it means love. <laughs> Even though it was green and gross. Yes. I drink it because it meant love. I, I was his friend and to friends you give juice. He simplifies this man's. Um, and then, um, <laughs> I mean, if that like, it sounds like a conversation that would be juice. mildly condescending to have with a three-year-old. Yes. Because friends mean juice. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, this really bothered me. Wasn't there? There's I I can't find it, but then like later on, he gives him a stick from the ocean. Yes, he fucking like, gives. At this point, this fellow, this Dominican fellow, thinks you're a fucking asshole, and he's just. <laughs> giving you garbage yeah he was like oh but the stick had been beaten over and over again by the waves so it's smooth i was like i don't think anybody on that island thought that was a cool present i think it's all no i think he thinks you're an idiot yes (laughs) he's like he drank the green coconut and didn't say anything like what else can i what else can i make this guy do here's a fish head He's like, let's show him how we bury our, our our poop. And he was like, well, we don't bury. No, you just tell him that. Yeah. And it was just one of the fondest memories that yes. he have every time he looks at that stick. Yes. But, you know, also, it's like this was about love. But this Dr. Chapman, as he's known to us, <laughs> never says anything about reciprocating. Like, what did he give this person? It's such a fucking condescending, privileged white man story that makes me cringe. Um, yeah, so, anyway, so, reader, this is this is about halfway into the book, and this is where it'll start to go slowly um, into, huh? Yeah, that's a little weird, um, but there's still really good lessons to be had, and then it's gonna shit the bed at the end. But you know, we, we can always tell you what pages to skip. On page eighty-one, the gift of self. There's a story about how this wife says, "You love baseball more than me," because after she gave birth to their baby, he left for a softball game, and then after her mom died, he left. Left. And I just my note is, oh, fuck, how is this story going to end? And then I read a little bit more. And then I just wrote this reads. Because <laughs> it's like, no, don't go to a fucking song. I don't care what your reasoning is. <laughs> can I can I tell you just how excited I was to come into this house with two women who have had children and to look at your faces and see what would that be like if Blaine was really excited that he could go tell his softball team. <laughs> I had a baby. I thought you were going to be excited because I told my team. You're like, I had triplets and they're in the NICU. And it was like, I thought you wanted me to tell my D&D group. I I thought you would be excited about that. Yeah, Blaine Blaine had a podcast later that day and he he wanted to let everybody know that he had a child. So he uh, he took off. I mean, he took off. Did he really? No. What are you talking about? I know this is not normal. This is not normal. No, there's a, there's a couple of those in this yeah. chapter. Um, I also have the note "fuck you, Doug," so I'm not sure. And then "fuck you, Doug." Life is too short for this. I don't remember what that's about. Um, page eighty four. Okay, so 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 um, a woman is explaining that she's been trying to do all of the things that she thinks she needs to do to be a good wife, trying to do what she thought was important for her husband, but felt no love coming from him. Um, so it's already not going great. Uh, and then she says, "When I talk to Doug about my feelings, he'd." laugh at me or say we had a, as good a marriage as anybody else in the community and he didn't understand why I was so unhappy and I wrote fuck that guy yes we're in agreement what do you have to say well I mean as Jamie said when you know the phrase in the community is where I start to go hmm what, what, what community is this what community are we speaking of exactly that's when I started to wonder okay okay yeah I was like do you only know assholes yeah it was, <laughs> because yeah, in assholes. that case Doug's like I'm fucking crushing yeah. it <laughs> we, we live in Villa Asshole it's a gated community you have to be this much of an asshole to get in yeah and in, in, in that case yeah that's uh, that's a community uh, yeah. right, so whatever about Doug and then acts of service is for unless we have anything else no I mean I think what's interesting about acts of service is this is where we're getting very chore 
oriented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and granted, acts of service, I think that there's like a clear line to that being one of them. But I was surprised that there weren't more examples that were not about vacuuming. <laughs> I know. Was there such a focus on like vacuuming, wiping that disgusting baby's face? I don't know if you <laughs> There was something about I come home and that baby is filthy. <laughs> What does that baby look like? I was like, and, like, can you clean Wait. that baby's goddamn face? Wait, baby can, you, has, can you clean it? The baby has an upside down bowl of spaghetti on its head. You know it does. You know it does. But it's not marinara sauce. It's fecal matter. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, that's not the problem, though. Don't stop serving our baby shit on, <laughs> on noodles. No, just clean it up. Put what it you up. serve this baby when matter. I'm at work is none of my goddamn <laughs> business. Just don't make it my problem when I come home. He's not mad that the baby was filthy beforehand. He doesn't want to look at yes, it. Yes, yes. So, yeah, this is where, again, like, good intentions, Dr. Gary Chapman... <laughs> MD, but he just a lot of it just ends up being like, oh, well, we're complete, you know, like I felt like this person doesn't want to do the chore. And I was like, but there are other acts of service that are really important that I feel like get out of this dichotomy of like the stay at home wife. Yes. Of which there is a lot in this book, I feel like. Don't you notice? I would say exclusively. Yeah. A couple times they say one of the points of the husband is will be you don't have to work if you don't want to. What more could you ask for? (laughs) Or I won't try and stop you if you try to get a job outside of the home and you can do what you want with that money. That's nice, right? That's very nice. I won't try to stop you. As long as you cook my meals, because there is the story about that. Oh, there's a couple stories about that. Wait, I did have something about a positive thing. Um, How to deal with criticism on page 101. Oh, so so about criticism. It's an ineffective way of pleading for love. If we understand that, it may help us process their criticism in a more productive manner. A wife may say to her husband after he gives her a criticism, it sounds like this is extremely important to you. Could you explain why it is so crucial? That just stood out as like an unpolished gem. You know, I mean, that's a good way to say, to respond. If you're, but unless the criticism is like really mean that's a way to defuse it well I mean it's not like we encounter any couples that actually hate each other in this book right that's not true oh that no you're right okay sorry no yeah I had to think about it for a sec but there is a point where one of the women says is it normal to hate the person that you're married to and coming up later in Dady Ladies podcast a couple who can't stand each other but can't get divorced let's see what happens to them let's cut to Dr. Gary Chapman <laughs> MD. MD MD surgeon and what else does he Esquire do? Esquire yeah he's a lawyer no I would say in addition to that Barbara is yeah there was something about okay so in this example um the wife feels like the husband's hunting is a problem because it's something that he prioritizes over things that he doesn't prioritize for you know spending time with her and for doing acts of service for her and it says mary's constant condemnation of dave of dave's hunting was not an expression of her hatred for the sport of hunting she blamed hunting as the thing that kept him from washing the car vacuuming the house mowing the grass when he learned to meet her need for love by speaking her emotional love language she became free to support him in his hunting I really related to that. I've I've <laughs> fetishized a hate for something in oh. a partner because it is it seems to me to be the one thing oh. that he is very diligent about and anything as I perceived it related to me would fall to the wayside and it would become an irrational hatred of 
an improv group. I'm going to be like, I fucking hate that improv group. And I was like, well, if it, all he needed yeah. to do was to take one or two of the things that I thought was really important. I actually don't hate that. But it was just to me, I was ranking the things that were in his life. And I saw myself as like a three or a four in comparison to this other thing. And once I was able to get that need met, it was like, oh, yeah, I wasn't actually that mad at the yeah. improv group. I mean, I just want to say that's um, completely that, rational that you would hate an improv group. I just want to say that as somebody yeah, li- who lives yeah. in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, like I think I had to notice that it was like it happened across many relationships and it was, there were all different things, but I hated all of them. Like it didn't matter what it was because it was something that was more important than me. Yeah, I did that for a while. I bet basically anyone listening to this at one point or another has misdirected their hatred onto a thing instead of what it actually meant to that person, which is, as Jamie said, you know, because you're at this improv group, you're not doing this, this this and so he has a fair point there is all I'm going to say. Or scapegoat a person. I mean, I've certainly been in relationships where someone was turned into the scapegoat for why something I wanted couldn't happen. And I took the bait. Oh, and yeah. really didn't like this friend anymore. And it took me a long time to step back and say, if the person I'm with didn't give a fuck about what they were doing with that friend, then they would just say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go hang out with Jamie instead. Yeah. But I was, I think of it as the, the sort of Maury Povich, Jerry Springer school of like, I'm going to be angry at the person who lured the person I was with into cheating. Like, mm, right. Yes. Mm, that's not, that's not them. And like, ultimately this friend that my partner keeps blaming for being the reason why we can't like have more quality time together or why why he can't be more reliable around plans is not the problem because I'm not in the relationship with that person I'm in relationship with a partner who's ignoring me so that it's the partner's problem then, right. right okay yeah that wasn't that's another thing that I mean I can't think of the examples because I've blocked them out but it's an unsolvable problem which ends up making you the problem because if you can't like the friend then how can you be you know it's it's but it really gives you something to laser focus on that's not that problem's never going to get solved as long as you're blaming hunting or you're blaming that other person um can we move on to five my posted on on a whatever that first page of love language number five physical touch is i just wrote so spousy you know that's just like at that point i was like oh this is very spousy it took me a while it's page 107 it took you a while to realize that we're not talking about dating we're talking about married couples only exclusively I, I mean i really liked this book going into it and you know there was like a, a religious thing that came up and i was like okay i can get past this or i can incorporate this i thought his language was pretty measured yes this definitely specifically deals with or uses the examples of married couples because he is uh, an associate pastor as i said and that their job is to counsel people so that's where he's drawing his examples. He's not a counselor outside of the church. So I do kind of wish I understood that going in because I didn't I didn't like having to figure that out. But once I knew it, I was like, okay, now I know what I'm dealing with. But that aside, like you can apply all of these love language thingies to any, I think any stage of a marriage or, or um, dating too. So I, I recommend this book, Barbara. I'm not shitting on it. Even, even though he... Look, I'm not blowing a seminal load all over it. Okay, that's what I want. Getting to that, yeah. So if we the- don't finish this without <laughs> blowing a seminal load I don't know what I'm going to do. I I mean, the only thing that I would caveat to what Vera said, because I do agree. I mean, I think that the tools are there. I, I want to be mindful that like this is not just married couples. This is a, or a lot of this. This is um, cisgender heteronormative oh, couples. Yeah. They don't make any room for, you know, 
for queer couples or for trans folks. I would say, and and granted, like take it with a grain of salt because I'm a cisgendered, you know, lady. I think it's not so prescriptive that it, it is exclusionary. I think towards the end, I, I think feel like you could probably skip the last like, you know, 30 pages just because it gets a little Jesus-y, but like all the all the, the, the meat and potatoes is is there in the in in the book. But yeah, I would love to see this updated with that lens, even just barely just to soften that language, because I think there's so much there. Like people just need a, a framework. And that's what this is offering. It's like when when you feel really stuck, this is a workbook. And if we can like treat it as a workbook, I think it can be really successful. But just, you know, just something to know when you're going through it is like, it's she's a little dated. I, I love that he saves physical touch for the last one because this is where the most awkward language comes up, including explicit love touches. The art of sexual lovemaking is another one. You better hope it's an art. <laughs> oh, a good point he does make about fucking is that like one of about sucking dicks. About sucking dicks. <laughs> <Bells>. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sorry, with Dr. Gary Chapman, um, MD Esquire. I can't believe we barely talked about sucking dicks in the last couple episodes. I don't why is Since that? we rebranded. And we got to get on that. Yeah. He does describe married couple. The guy says that his language is definitely physical touch because he, he needs to fuck. And he's like, okay, let me ask you just one more question. And then he posits that every man just really needs to fuck because um, now we're getting to it. The seminal load. Where is this? He um, he tells us all about our the way bodies work. For the male, sexual desire is physically based. That is, the desire for sexual intercourse is stimulated by the buildup of sperm cells and seminal fluid. <laughs> seminal fluid in the seminal vesicles uh when the seminal vesicles is vesicles this looks so weird is that vesicles <laughs> they're full vesicles <laughs> vestibules when they're full there's a physical push for release thus the male's desire for sexual intercourse has a physical root and i feel like what he's not saying is like of course you wouldn't masturbate because you know say don't be spilling that seed. And then for the female, sexual desire is far more influenced by her emotions. If she feels loved and admired and appreciated by her husband, then she has no desires at all. Just kidding. Then she has a desire to be physically intimate with him. But without the emotional closeness, she may have little physical desire. Her biological sexual drive is closely tied to the emotional need for love. I do want to say I agree in part with this. Like you do not want to fuck somebody who is being a dick. I had to look into this because I'm like, that doesn't seem right to me. You know, I've been a woman for 47 years. This does, Something about this doesn't sit correctly. So I did a little research and I looked up like what spurs women's sexual desire. And a lot of it has to do with your cycle. There's like the basically it can be broken down into to four different areas and there's like menstruation then there's like i think it's luteal phase and then ovulation and then something and whatever there's one more phase bitchiness being a cunt (laughs) um during ovulation when you are fertile your body gets more what's the word i'm looking for hornful Mm -hmm. right hornful so that that's where the sexual desire peaks and it's you know it's like a monthly thing and it is a biological drive and it's not just emotions and then i just put i just put um here like that's what spurred me on to go look for this because it just didn't seem right that her biological sexual drive is closely tied to her emotional need for love i mean it's tied to her emotional need not to like take care of her husband like he's or partner like he's a child you know that's definitely something um you need to trust and there's a lot of other things but biologically yes 
there's definitely like a window. It's probably not the same after menopause, but for women, especially in their 30s, that's when, you know, you've heard a lot about women getting all milfy and stuff in their 30s and 40s, like as their biological clock is ticking and stuff like that. There's, there is a biological drive there, but it's really awesome that you have no idea about that, Mr. Do we have to strip him of his doctorate? I Do- don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I ju- it just, I feel like it fucks with him more when you call him doctors. So. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. Jamie, do you do you get the hormone rush like being a little bit older now? Um, you know, I think I'm missing missing something in that. Like I'm definitely very um I mean, I, I get it, but it doesn't it doesn't happen to me a lot. But what I will say is I thought it would never happen to me. And one time I was watching Magic Mike 2. <laughs> like you do. And not one. No, not one. No, no, too much dialogue in one. Um, so I was watching Magic Mike 2, and it's towards the end, and it was fun, but I just, I, I'm very pro nerd. I like nerdy. I like people that look like they haven't been in the sun enough, and people who like wrote Smith's lyrics in, in their folders in high school. Like, I've, that's always been my thing. I've never understood the big, beefy, whatever. Um, I'm watching Magic Mike 2 with my friend, and um, they are having a their, their performance everybody's uh-huh. coming out and doing their song and uh there's a very handsome fella named joe manganello oh oh boy also a fucking nerd yeah which is like yeah yeah we could talk about that for a minute but now you see what we're working with but joe manganello if you're not aware just is built like a brick shit house like my grandma would say he's just a, a mountain of a man and, and his face I, is beautiful. Yeah. I mean, everything about him is beautiful. But I just, I, I thought I was more appreciating him aesthetically. And so he comes out and the first part of his song is uh, he picks a woman out of the crowd and he like fake proposes to her. This is all within like terms of a strip tournament. It's like a, it's so weird, a contest. S- stakes seem really high. The stakes are really, <laughs> really fucking high because Steven Soderbergh doesn't play around. And... um and so it's really cute and he like fake proposes and he throws, you know, throws her over his shoulder. And then the song goes from I Think I'm Gonna Marry You, which I think is a Bruno Mars song, to Closer by Nine Inch Nails. And he pulls his tuxedo off and she's in a leather swing. And I just remember my it felt like my entire uterus <laughs> lit on fire. And rather than just being like, oh, I want to fuck that guy, which would make so much more sense. I remember the first thought I had was he could build us a house. <laughs> and that was the first time I had felt that like biological impairment. I was like, I'm that's not on my agenda. But all I saw was that large, beautiful man could build a fire. He could catch an animal. He could build us a house. And I want to go to there and I was like oh hormones are fucking real Uh so (laughs) and he could go on a side quest to do something with an elf or an orc okay he sure fucking could. He sure fucking Dude, could. Dude, like if it was if he wasn't already a panty peeler, I remember he talked about how he had crushes on goth girls in high school. And oh, I was man. like, get out of here. I wonder if it's no coincidence that he chose gothy industrial nine inch nails. Oh, he chose it? No, oh, I'm well, sure he did. Well, I'm no, I'm wondering if that's, you know, I am sure he has a say over what he gets to strip to and or uh make sweet fake love with a leather did you say leather heart or leather swing? Leather chair yeah, leather, leather oh, swing. Okay, yeah, yeah, no. I wonder if maybe he impacted how old is he? Is he our age? Yeah. 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 Okay. But I just, all of that to say, besides that it's just great on its own, God bless him, oh is gosh. like Gary Chapman. Do you yeah. think that that doesn't happen? That there's no part where just lady bits are like, today. 
Let's yeah. make it happen. So in other words, you had an emotional need for love. <laughs> <laughs>